Blog Talk Radio. Music isn't working again. Hopefully we will never have to see again. 
Yeah. Uh, it was. Yeah. You know, a nice little. Uh, just just a small snapshot of what people had to go through back then. There was it was a scary time. Um, luckily, um, part of my family did go. My dad's side of the family did go through the pogroms in Russia, but my mom's side of the family uh, stopped coming and left before they came. Um, so and. On both sides, a lot of our family stayed, and they were either killed by the Nazis or they were put into the Stalags by the uh, Russians. So, uh, like most people that are Jewish, it, uh, the history is, is very difficult. Yes. Um, but my... Um, my grandma was a character, and she was hilarious. And she was a chatterbox like me. And, um, for instance, when I was a little girl, like two or three, um, I hadn't started talking yet. And so my mom, my grandma kept bugging my mother, when's she going to talk? When's she going to talk? So when I started talking, I never stopped. And grandma said to my mom, can you, can you please tell her to stop? And she goes, no. (laughs) I don't want to. I like it. It sounds like your grandmother should have been careful what she wished for. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, There's this footage my dad took at um, a birthday party. Um, I actually have it up on Instagram little bit of it. I never stop talking. My mouth is going, even when I'm eating the ice cream and stuff and talking to this lady, my mouth never stops. <laughs> five years. My brother is in my mom's arms, so I was about five years old. And I'm like... <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> That's why we have chatting with Sherry, so she can chat. Yes. Sort of is meant to be. Um, so what I'm going to do is I am going to play the play. It's only five minutes. And then we can talk about it. And if any of the listening audience wants to call in and ask a question or say a comment, that's nice. Um, <laughs> we'll be happy to hear. So, uh, without further ado, Mishpaka. My grandfather arranged for my mother and Aunt Teresa to lead the way to the new country. He knew both Ma and Aunt Teresa were great at sewing and would make some good money. Meanwhile, he set about to make money in Romania from the village to send the rest of my family to America. Ma was the fastest at sewing in the village, so it was imperative that she go to the New World to make as much money for the family as possible. Here's a very short reimagining of the chat before they left for New York City. I know it will be difficult alone in a new country, but I only have enough money for two people, and I'm afraid that it will have to be you two. 
You have the skills. You are the best seamstresses in the village. But we do not speak the language, and we do not know a soul there. I will give you a letter to a friend in the Yiddish theater there. You will do costumes for them by the piece and work in a factory in the daytime. You have a big family there, and I think you will find doing the costumes for the theater far more fun than the factory. Well, how long? However long it takes for you, Miss Pucha, to join you. What is the Yiddish theater, Papa? It is as it seems. It is the stories and the plays from our culture in our language. It is very popular, according to Cousin Louis. Sounds like fun, Papa. Will we have money to live on when we get there? Of course, of course. You will. And you will stay with our cousins. You will be fine girls, and we will all be together soon. How will we find them? It is a big country. You will arrive in New York City, and, and they will meet you and take you to where they live. A place called uh, Bronx. <laughs> that is a strange name. You will see and hear many strange things when you get there. It does sound exciting, doesn't it, Teresa? Yes, an adventure. Are we brave enough? That is the question. As Shakespeare said, quit quoting books. This is the real world we are entering. I know. I can't wait. So, you will go? Yes, Papa. I'm willing. Teresa? Yes. Papa, I will go. That is my good, brave girls. Your mama and I will miss you both so much. We will miss you and all our brothers, but we'll all be together soon. Yes, God willing. Papa, where will we be on the boat? I do not send my girls in the steerage. But Papa, more of us could go in steerage. We could also become very ill. I have read the stories in the paper. Yes, exactly, my dearest girls. I don't want you to become ill. Many young ladies have died on such a voyage. I would rather we labor here and you labor there to bring us to America than any of us suffer such an illness as I have read about in the papers. So, we go alone. It is an adventure, Teresa. And you are always saying you would like an adventure. True. We both do. And it is for the family. You will be well, won't you? Your mama and I will worry so. Yes, Papa. Oh, I miss Pocha. Not too long after, Grandpa and Uncle Morris followed. Grandpa bought all kinds of things in the city at auction and then resold them at profit. With the money he bought, he was able to bring my grandma 
and the rest of the family. He rented a small store which led to the family business and the move to Rhode Island where I was born. What do you think? Round of round of applause. Woo. <laughs> it's always fun hearing them come, hearing the plays actually come together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, because it's so short, I can I can play it. Um, I, I, it's really interesting because um, my grandma was very adventurous. She was a reader. Um, I didn't really know my great-aunt Teresa that well, just from the stories Grandma told. So it may not be completely accurate. It's from her sister, so who knows. Um. (laughs) (laughs) That's known as dramatic license. It's a little dramatic license because it's based on uh, stories from my grandma. It's one side. I mean, I didn't know my great-aunt, but it's right. An older woman, you know, with uh, children and grandchildren, so it wasn't like um, it wasn't uh, like I, I, it wasn't like I knew my grandma. I didn't know her as well, so I kind of went by my grandma's stories, and she loved to tell stories. <laughs> Did she have a thick accent? Oh yeah, oh yeah, she had a very very thick accent, and we used to her because she lived in Los Angeles for a very long time. Um, from the time she moved to the time she died, it was like about 50 years or something. She still had a thick accent, and she still mispronounced names. And sometimes I actually had to look at my parents to try to figure out what she was talking about. Um, she, uh, she, they lived off Sepulveda, and she called it Sepulveda. Um, <laughs> Uh, Which was makes the, sense from being from the Romanian area because they pronounce every syllable. Oh. And um, Kawanga was, oh, I don't even know how she pronounced it. I remember one time she pronounced that straight, and I looked at Dad because I didn't know what she said. Um, <laughs> there were a few, there were a few, um, um, La Jolla was La Jolla. Uh-huh. <laughs> a lot of people do that one. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so you tell at, the people aren't from San Diego. <laughs> I was working at this place. Um, it was a health place. I was uh, doing customer service, and this guy called in, and he said he was from Lajala, and I was, oh, he moved there. He didn't know anything. Yeah. So I'm like, so I correct him gently. I said, well, actually, it's La Jolla, sir. And he said, no, I'm from here. It's La Jolla. And I'm like, okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> you are really not from there. You're calling it that. But I am not going to argue with a customer. <laughs> not over that. fragile male ego. Huh? <laughs> it was like, um, you know, there were certain things. As a California native, I do know, and that was one of them. And you know, he can't be a native. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we have. Uh, he I couldn't have been there very long either. <laughs> right. Well, it's, uh, we can tell 
where I'm from, we can tell where a person is from by the way they pronounce S-A-L-I-N-A. Selena, say that again. California, S-A-L-I-N-A. Selena. Selena. Actually, here where I'm at, it's Salina. Oh. And oh, if you're okay. in, if you're in Arkansas, it's the Arkansas River. If you're in Kansas, it's the Arkansas River. So, yeah. Oh. Weird, so funny. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's really language. Is a, it's a very interesting and delicate thing because people get very huffy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm a native Oregonian. It's always fun to hear how everybody pronounces Oregon, or the Willamette River, or oh, yeah. watching people fight, or watching people fight, try to find Gleason. My mom used to make fun of the way my brother and I used to say Boston. Apparently, we we emphasize the off in Austin too much, um, and I can't even say it the way she says it because she was she was brought up in Rhode Island and and that area, so she knew that area very well, and I'm like. I can't even say it the way she says because it just I can't, it won't come off my tongue. <laughs> Boston. I say Boston, and I guess Boston. it's not right from that area because <laughs> my brother says it the exact same way. It's a California. Oh, oh way. I know somebody from Boston when I was in the Navy. That's how they said it. <laughs> well, it depends though too. There's mm-hmm. like. There's the well, they, Harvard. Well, they're from actually Boston, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there's the working people, Boston. But just saying the word Boston apparently is a big Megilla because my mother used to laugh every single time we said it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's, uh, I, I, I was trying to think of an example. But yeah, there's... Uh, Words are funny if you uh, go ahead. I, I I will think of it in a moment. Okay. Well, I was going to tell you um, some of the people that my grandma and Aunt Teresa used to do costumes for in the Yiddish theater. They crossed over from the Yiddish theater to Broadway. So you may know them. Um, this lady named Mary Pickford, um, Molly Pecan, um, people like that. <laughs> he used to do costumes for them. Wow! Wow! And um, they used when when they when they were doing stuff themselves, they bought all of their material from my my great grandfather. So, yeah, uh, everybody used to buy material from a great grandfather on Broadway. Okay. It was weird because it was from a junk shop that, well, basically, <laughs> and I some of the stuff he has, I don't know. I mean, he used to just go into these stores and buy these things and then bring it into the shop and then resell them to people coming in for fabric. And he made a lot of money. <laughs> he had good taste. <laughs> Did your family ever get to work with Stella Adler? Uh, yeah, yeah. She used to um, buy her material. She was in the Yiddish theater, but she was in uh, Broadway. And um, they, the 
New York store is where all the costumes were made. Um, it's not there anymore. It used to be called Wine Trops. And um, a lot of famous people used to buy from them. Cray cray. It was really cool. I just remember when we were little, we went to Rhode Island to visit my great uncles. And my Uncle Louie, who was named after the cousin you mentioned, um, he was born in America. And he, um, he he took us around, and it was like a um, – it was sort of like a big deal because everybody – the uncles were the founding fathers of this company. So every – when we were – and we were little. I mean, I think I was about nine, and my brother was about six. So we were kids. And I just remember everybody going, oh, oh. Yes, sir. No, sir. And I'm like, you know, because to us, he was Uncle Louie, and we're like, why are they acting like that? Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you act different in business than you do with your your mishpoka. <laughs> it's true. My biggest memory from that is, okay, this will tell you how little I was. I got a Wilma Flintstone uh, chair that you, it was like a little blow-up chair, and Dave got a Fred Flintstone blow-up chair. And we got, I got Bam doll, no, Dave got a Bam Bam doll, and I got Pebbles doll. It was a big deal, because we were big Flintstone fans. That was the days. That was how we were little. Oh, yeah. yeah, life is there. There, the small things uh, when you when you're a child just are so magical and big. <laughs> yeah, I also yeah. never forgot my um, <laughs> when we went to visit. We stayed with my uncle Louie and my aunt Helen, and uh, we were trying to be very good, quiet, self self sufficient children. So. I was allowed to make cereal, you know, and, and pour orange juice and stuff like that, as long as I wasn't near hot stuff. So um, I took my brother, and we went into the kitchen, and I looked everywhere. I could not find the cereal. And she had said the night before she got stuff for us, like cereal and stuff like that. So I went back, and I told my mom, and I said, Mom, we looked everywhere. We found the milk and the sugar and stuff, but we can't find the cereal. So my mom went over to their bedroom, knocked on the door. Uh, Aunt Helen came to the door, and mom goes, where's the cereal? And she said, oh, the cereal and the bread is in the oven. She never used her kitchen. She used the oven as storage.
I mean, she got the stuff for us. I mean, as they spent their whole time at the country club. That's all they ever did. It was mm. weird to us. Because grandma and grandpa weren't like that. So it was just weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That means nobody was cooking in that kitchen. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Nobody <laughs> ever ate at home. <laughs> oh. That that it's funny, but it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Because my um. My grandparents, normal. My um, Aunt Teresa and my Uncle Julius were normal. They had a, he cooked and everything. So did Uncle Julius. He was great. He was a great barbecuer. Um, but but for some reason, the brothers that were in Rhode Island that were running the company, they acted a little differently than the rest of the family. <laughs> It was just those weird things. Oh, well. But anyway, that was one of my childhood memories is the cereal in the oven. (laughs) Wow. And the rye bread and the bagels. I miss good bagels. She bought that for us. I mean, she bought everything for us. I mean, she was being really sweet. But she Mm -hmm. just... She didn't usually have that sort of stuff, so she put it the only place she knew where to store it. It was a good thing that you didn't uh, turn the oven on. No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But um, it's a good thing that we came out first and not my mom. Because the first thing Uh, my mom does is put the coffee on. Uh-huh. That would have been a... But, yeah, that's, it's just a different world. I don't even think people are like that now. I don't think so. I am. I've got pots and pans in my oven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll throw the pots and pans in there. Not my food. Yeah. Yeah. I don't well, cook. <laughs> my mother used to keep the skeleton in the oven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I keep I keep my cast iron in there. Actually, I finally got a rack to put it on. So because I just had no space to sort, that's why I got stuck in the oven when I wasn't using the oven. Well, I wasn't that big a cook either, but I never stored anything in the oven. I always was worried that you it would that it would catch on fire. I was. <laughs> well, I, I only store the cast iron in the oven. It doesn't matter if I turn on the oven with the cast iron. Right. <laughs> Just don't grab it without another mitt. <laughs> Amen. So that's my little story. So what do you guys think? Oh, I like. I would, I would love to see like a part two party. of them reuniting, like in the United States or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they they lived in. They didn't live, you know, where they lived in New York. They lived near where Fanny Bryce's mother's bar was. That's about a block away. Oh wow. Okay. 
So, yeah. Um, that's that's the area. And then they moved. They were moved. They lived there, and then they moved to Bronx. And then they moved to Rhode Island, <laughs> which is a totally different. But it's closer to the. Uh, Rhode Island was much closer to the uh, life, the kind of climate and everything that they were used to um, in Romania than New York. New York was, climate-wise and stuff, wasn't what they were used to. Mm. Cold winters and stuff? Huh? Was it too cold in the wintertime, or was it always cold? Up in no, Romania. It, it was it was cold. It was really cold. But um, they, they had snow. I mean, it was very cold. But mm-hmm. it was just, I don't know, it was more rural. And, and Rhode Island's more rural. And, well, it's gotten much more cosmopolitan than it was. But at that time when they lived there in the early 1900s, it was much more rural. I mean, Rhode Island has changed a lot. Providence, from what I understand, it. Uh, my mom grew up in Providence, Rhode Island. When we came back to visit, when we were, um, the age I was just telling you about, my mom was amazed at how big everything was. She said, everything is so much smaller. When I was a kid, everything was so much bigger. She <laughs> That happens too, <laughs> but yeah, no. Any time you're, anytime you leave the place you're from and you're gone long enough, uh, it, it's almost a culture shock going back because things continue to change when you're gone, and mm-hmm. things aren't the same when you return. It's so true. Yeah, it's very true. It's true, and I have. It's I mean, I noticed that when I go home to L.A., and, and I haven't been mm-hmm. gone that long. I've only been gone four or five years. And every time I go, there's something missing that I know. It's just since L.A. changed uh, For anybody who's around the world who's never been to Los Angeles, L.A. doesn't know what it means to eat stuff. It changes all the time. But, I mean, the valley, San Fernando Valley I grew up in is not the San Fernando Valley that's there now. And it's, and it, and, but when you're living there, it's not a big deal because you, you see it happening. But when you go it, there. It, it changes slowly. Uh, yeah, when, when you're in the middle of it, it changes right. slowly. When you're, when you're gone, you, you come back to, well, where did that what what's that? It's like all of a sudden you you you're going down streets and you don't recognize everything. That's what it was. Yeah, it was like like a lot of stuff was gone. Uh-huh. I mean, the parks and stuff was all there, but the um, like a lot of the businesses I loved were gone. Like a lot of the stores and the restaurants all gone. I was like so depressed. <laughs>
So the next part I wanted to ask you guys was, was it weird to do something that you knew was part of my family history, since you know me? No, actually, I was uh, quite honored to be asked. Me too. It really informs the work, I think, knowing all that backstory. The, The honor of being part of this is helping you to relive something that you had only heard about. Yeah. And that, that's the, the honor. It's it's creating a uh, a time and a place and a feeling and a feeling. The the Aaron is, is sending his family off, his daughters off to to he doesn't know where and he's doesn't know what and he's he's torn. And that honor is, I, I hope that I helped create that illusion for you. You I did. I, I loved your um, rendition of my great-grandfather. My great-grandfather was really a very interesting man. He was very, in some ways he was very progressive, and in other ways he was very old-fashioned. He was very religious but he was very, he went against it sometimes. Um, he was a very interesting, complex person. So, And you brought that to it, which I really appreciate. Thank you. Uh, what is I always find my... it... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I've done several shows in which I have played real-life people, but most of the time it's a historical reenactment. And this this was an opportunity to play someone that I had a I had personal knowledge of that person who had actually well you didn't know him but you knew the stories better because you were first hand in listening to them. Yeah. And that helped make it real. Yeah, I never met him. He died long before I was born. But he was something else. Like, he was very, very religious, very religious Jew. And um, on Yom Kippur, I don't know if you know this, but when you go to the temple on Yom Kippur, you're not allowed, you're not supposed to have money in your pocket. It's like you're not supposed to have lights on. You're not, it's really very strict. Well, Grandpa kind of, great-grandpa kind of, broke that. He used to bring money for the kids. He didn't want them to fast. He didn't think it was healthy for children. He'd give them all money and say, go to the soda shop. Soda shops back then you can get like cheeseburger, hamburger, well, not cheeseburger, a hamburger, um, hot dog. Um, A soda shop wasn't like stuff now. It's more like a... I don't really... We actually... We had a real one in uh, Gresham where I grew up where it had the lunch counter. It was like that. And so he gave them yeah. money. So it was totally against the religion. He gave them all money and said, go get some lunch. You shouldn't You shouldn't starve. That was, that was the kind of guy he was. <laughs> I think that's great. <laughs> oh, my kind of man. I thought it was yeah. super cool. Yeah. 
was really really funny um, about stuff like that. He was he was my mom loved him. She adored him. She, uh, she just thought he was great. And she goes, there was part of him that was very strict, very old world, and then there was part of him that was a little fun and crazy and and silly. And that was one of her favorite things. She knew that she was going to get money from him to get food. And all the kids did. Grandkids did. It was just, it was, and I thought, I like that. I like the complexity of it. I just, I love that he's, he's going to go and he's going to fast, and, but he didn't want his children to get, his grandchildren to get sick. I thought it was beautiful. <laughs> he was a good grandfather. Yeah. And that was that was from my mom. That wasn't from my grandma. That was that was a story from my mom. She loved to tell that. She used to tell that quite often. That was one of her favorites about him. But <laughs> <laughs> um, he's very a cool guy. So, and I showed you pictures of him. He was he was cute. So you yeah, like I, him, huh, Ray? I like him. I, I, he's the type of person that would be great for a conversation. Oh, he was. From what my mom said, he was, he was really smart, and he used to tell great stories. I guess that's where I get a lot of it from. My dad wrote stories that were like science fiction and my mom loved movies and was an expert at it but apparently grandpa was a storyteller my great grandpa was the storyteller so it's just I guess it all comes down to through heredity um, little bits of me <laughs> yeah. what did you uh, think of playing um, my grandmother Mary Maria, as she was called in Romania. I know my accent wasn't nearly as thick, I'm sure, but I, I hope somehow that you were able to hear your grandma again a little bit in, in reenacting yeah. her. It was really good, actually. I loved the way you talked. It was actually reminded me in some ways very much of her. She was full of adventure and excitement and loved to read and full of stories, and that's just the way you performed it, and that's just what I wanted. Oh, I'm glad. Yay. <laughs> I did my job. <laughs> did you like her? I did. She, she reminds me a lot of me, too, you know. I, I've i always been an adventurous sort and into stories and books. So. Yeah, yeah my, my grandma would read anything. I told you this privately. My grandma would read anything. I mean anything. Back in the old days when she first moved to follow her kids who all came to California. Um, The banks used to give books. Banks used to give books. Gas stations used to give green stamps and prizes. The world was a different place back in the 50s. Um, But uh, she used to go to the bank and get piles of books. Apparently. (laughs) And then when I would go over to, when I was about 15 or 16, I would uh, say, uh, 
and during, especially during the summer when I was I didn't have books I had to study for school. I'd say, Grandma, you have any books that I could borrow? Oh no, there's a box over there. Uh, just take what you want. It's okay. You go through it, and it. She has. I mean, I I I, I threw a book at my brother because it was about sports. She had books about any anything that she could read. She would read. It was amazing. <laughs> I love that. My dad's kind of like that. He has a huge library. Yeah. And like I would always just browse and find new things every time I'd look at it. It was cool. Yeah, my my dad used to get the same book a couple of times because he couldn't find it. He would go in and he would buy another paperback. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Yeah. You'd forget that you have a copy already. I think he had like three copies of Foundation from Ice <laughs> 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 I can't find it. He goes to Dalton's, and he, well, that's another thing that's gone books, independent bookstores and stuff. But he would go in and buy another one. And uh, one day, um, when they were older, um, my dad was having a real hard time finding stuff. So I said, okay, let me go through your books, and I'll just you know, make them in at least in order where they're all authors are together. And I found three Ender Games, two Da Vinci Codes. I mean, it was amazing. The man had copies of all his favorite books. <laughs> you could run a bookshop to me. Yeah. <laughs> well. I actually gave uh, when my father passed away. I actually gave some of those copies to the uh, library. <laughs> I'm sure they appreciated that. Yes, um, well, I kept the hardcover for myself, and I gave them the paperbacks. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, it's, it's, my library is stacked here beside me and it, uh, yeah that I can only imagine what your your grandmother had as a librarian oh yeah because I know my, what I've got I, I, I think every family member in my family of the older generation were book people I mean they all had books that's why it's so weird to me that people don't read today. I don't even understand it. Janae, yeah. <laughs> well, did you enjoy playing my Aunt Teresa, my great Aunt Teresa? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. What did you think she of her? Seemed, um, she seemed to be the more reserved or cautious one. But obviously uh, she... Uh, by the way, the way it was written, she 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 was yeah she was um, she was the more cautious one, but invested in doing what was needed for the family. So, well, I bet I she was a very to, interesting person. I well, created of course, that's based that. on what you had yet, right? But that that's that's what I had to work with. But <laughs> I had to have I had to have some kind of conflict, so that was it. Um, <laughs> Part of theater mm-hmm. is conflict, and that was the conflict. Um, she was just as adventurous as Grandma, so uh, they were pretty much alike. That's why they fought alike, fought a lot because <laughs> they were definitely sisters. Um, 
they actually looked like, even though they were different ages, they kind of, if you saw pictures of them together, they kind of looked like twins. Uh. Mm-hmm. Um, they both have red hair, flashing eyes. Very pretty. What was their age uh, difference? A couple of years. Like one or two years. I don't remember exactly. Oh. But, so fairly um, close in age. They're very close in age. Yeah, but they they fought over clothes and books and um, <laughs> comments about something that was said and something about the kids or the grandkids or God knows. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's normal, normal sisters. I, I actually never had a sister, but from what I understand, they had a very normal sister and sister relationship. Especially the right in the middle of the brothers. So they the two of them could get away with murder. <laughs> <laughs> so how many brothers were there? I always get confused. Uh hold on, let me figure it out. There's Uncle Seymour, Uncle Louis, Uncle Henry, and there's one more that Uncle Morse, there, and then there's Uncle Morse, and then there's the brother-in-law Julius. So the brothers, there's four, and the brother-in-law makes five. Okay. Uh-huh. I mean, that's a normal family for that period. Mhm. Mhm. They big families. That was pretty much normal for Europe, especially Eastern yeah. Europe. Well, I, I think that was pretty well normal to the time. Yeah, it's pretty exactly. real normal. Yeah, because both both my uh, grandparents on my dad's side both came from families where they were they were both one of eight. <laughs> yeah, my grandma was number eight of ten. Well, yeah, my grandfather okay. was my grandfather was eight of eight, and my grandmother, I think, uh, she had. One younger sister who passed away, and then her younger sister. So she was like, I guess, number six. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, there was um, all together six in that family. So actually, it was kind of light from what you were just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my, my, my father father's... came. Go ahead. My grandfather's family came from Odessa, Ukraine. They were uh, ethnic German, so they 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 fled just ahead of the Bolsheviks. Yeah. That one. That's what some. That's what my mother says, and my father's mother and father's son family both had that little Bolshevik, and also czarist problem too. Um, <laughs> The czar is opposed. How many? What were you going to say, Ray? Oh, I was going to say that uh, I, I almost feel deprived. My father was an only child. My mother had five, four sisters and a brother. But my grand, my paternal grandfather, had something like six brothers 
and two sisters, and we are all follically challenged, and I got it from them. <laughs> that 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 I'm going off on another subject, but I almost feel deprived <laughs> not having large families like that. Well, the thing is, I think once these people reach reach the 20th century and the next generation, because my grandparents had three children. My um, Aunt Teresa had two children. I mean, none of the family, had, uh, uh, Uncle Louie oh. had one son, Uncle Henry had one son. I mean, there wasn't, the, it wasn't humongous like this. Right. You know. Oh. And, uh, well, the families got smaller because... The families definitely got smaller. Right. Because early on, it was they needed the, the children to help with the work. Uh, uh-huh. You didn't have the hired hand. I, I'm, in the farming community, you didn't have a hired man. You had your family that was out doing the work. I, none of my grandfather's siblings or my grandfather graduated from high school. Uh, eighth grade education was all they had. My father, on the other hand, was the first one of the family to go to college and graduated. So uh, it was just time. It was the time of the it was the time that they grew up in, the time that they lived in. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And we find it strange, and I, I. But even now, where I'm at, the the families, there are some large families. What is a Volga German community, and they uh, they still believe in big families. Yeah, I... Yeah. But I just think that times have changed. It's harder mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. take care of it. Right. Yeah, so it depends on that. And, and in some cases, you know, for some people, it's more of a religious thing, too. But, yeah, mm-hmm. we've, we've definitely, on average, have scaled down. Um, We're coming to the end. Uh, do you guys mm-hmm. have any comments about Mishpuka? Well, I am. That's all I have to say. (laughs) I I echo uh, Ariel. In fact, I even remember asking you when I first got the script if you had ever planned on doing anything else. It would be fun to see you to try to figure out some of the other stories and bring the characters you know, in dramatic license, bring bring your family characters to life for yeah. you know, to share the stories. It would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I actually like was. Thinking, I was thinking about sure. doing it. Would you guys want to re, uh, capture your parts if I did it? Sure. Yeah. I, I like that this one was quick and yeah. easy. Family histories are more important I, sometimes than uh, fiction stories. And yeah. I think that's, 
That, Especially that when it's uh, way. Family histories have more of a way of showing how people actually lived, where histories tend to show you just the bigger, the bigger yeah. picture of what happened. And there, there's a lot to be said for what people have actually went through compared to just the his, the important historical figures that we'd like to bet you on. It's important to also know the stories of the uh, of the people that Normal. weren't in charge of everything. Yeah, the, the average person. I agree. I well, I had a very selfish reason. My mom had just passed, and um, my mom and my grandma. Well, my grandma used to tell stories, and my brother and I were the and my mom and my dad were the only ones to listen. So I kind of felt sort of an obligation, not just an obligation, a need, a desire to keep the family history alive. To share it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that is the birth of Mishpucha. (laughs) That's true. That's the birth of a family. Um, so, uh, I want to thank you all for taking part. I want to thank you all for coming on the show and, and, um, being part of Sherry's Playhouse because he's been, all been part for quite a while. Um, I really thank you from the bottom of my heart. You're all very special people and I really, really appreciate each and every one of you. Oh, thank you. We appreciate you, Sherry. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, I love the opportunities you give us. Thank you. I'm going to end this on a very jolly note of uh, wonderful uh, music. So um, instead of my usual music, we'll end on the Mishpuka music. Thank you. Thank you for chatting, Sherry. <laughs>